Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, over signing work, part two. Here we go. You convinced me. I got to do it. Now, Now, how do I do it? Because I yeah. just throw in a bunch of work willy-nilly at my folks in the hopes of improving productivity doesn't sound like a terribly great thing to do. So how do we attack this? Although, you know, the old, the, the old saying, the manager tool is unofficial motto in the land of the blind and one-eyed person is king or queen. If you just started throwing more work at people and they were reasonably smart, meaning you hired well, I could argue that um, <laughs> uh, that's better than not throwing any work at them at all, right? At least they'll have to choose. Hopefully they'll choose. And if you're smart, you'll be able to choose the ones who either, even if they choose wrong, they get more done or the ones that are ideal are the ones who choose right and also get more done. But look, it's really not that hard. You need to do what you already know how to do, but you need to be more proactive about it and do it more regularly. For those of you who aren't familiar with our previous guidance, we encourage you to go back and listen to our guidance about assigning work and how to delegate and the juggling koan cast if you if you want to have fun. Not that our casts are fun. Um, <laughs> here are some specific things you can do immediately to engage your directs toward more productivity. The first thing you can do is delegate more assertively. You don't have to wait to be a str- to be stressed from above, a la the juggling Cohen, to delegate. You could say now, whether my boss gives me more or not, I'm going to delegate more of my job. I'm going to devolve my job down to my directs levels. We've said this before. Delegate running your meetings. Delegate presentations you give. Delegate projects you have now. Those are three things you can coach all of your directs on. Over and over and over again, we have learned personally ourselves, but more importantly, through our coaching of hundreds and really probably now thousands of managers, that we as managers grossly underestimate our direct's abilities to do stuff that we ourselves have been doing. There's something about learning that once we learn how to do something, once we get to that fourth stage of what what we call unconscious competence, right? There, for those of you who don't know, folks, there are four stages in, in adult learning or in learning something. There are many different models for this, but a really simplistic model is this. Stage one is unconscious incompetence. When you're a baby, you don't know that you can't drive a car because you don't know what a car is and you don't know what driving is. Then at some point in your development, you go to stage two, which is conscious competent or conscious incompetence, you become aware that you can't do something. Okay. If you're given that thing to do the first time you have to do it, you discover, you know, swinging a baseball bat, for instance, for American kids, you swing the bat and you miss and you realize, Ooh, I can't hit the ball. You're conscious of the, your incompetence, right? Stage three is you can become consciously competent, which is when you're learning something, if you think about it and you pay attention and you, you get your golf swing right or your bat swing right, or you prepare for your debate just right and so on, you can be good at it if you work at it. And the last phase, provided you've done something for a long time, it almost becomes autonomous or autonomic, is unconscious competence, mean, meaning you can do it without even thinking about it. Okay. It just is natural. It's like driving a car. For those of you who have ever driven to work and forgotten how you got there or what, what songs played on the radio or who you talked to on the phone, that's unconscious competence, stage four learning. Okay. The problem with that is when you go through those four stages, the moment you get to stage four and you can do your job, you're unconsciously competent. Oh yeah, I got to write a podcast. Oh yeah, I got to put the podcast out. This side of the thing. You forget how long it took you to get there. 
that you're still probably learning about it as well. And you then immediately apply to your directs the standard that you have, which they cannot meet because you've been doing it for one, two, three, four, five years. The first time you did it, the first time I wrote a cast, I remember very clearly the first cast I wrote. And if I really think hard about it, I can admit nowhere near was it as easy, as good, or as valuable as some later casts. But the transition from then to now was so gradual that it's easy for me to see it all as part of a process as just writing a podcast, okay? Pages and pages and pages in some case, like this one, okay? But I forget that in the beginning, I was able to write a cast. I think it was Yasha Heifetz. I, I'm not real sure, the great, the great uh, uh, violinist who said, there is no practicing to play the violin. There is only playing and not playing. You pick up a, a, an instrument and you put the bow to the strings, you're playing. It's stupid to call the first time you do it, oh, I'm not actually playing, I'm just learning how. No, you're not learning how, you're playing. You may you're playing poorly, but you're playing. That's how we teach adults how to do things, is we give them things to do. And too many of us say, well, the standard is the way I do it. And we'll talk about this when it comes to quality later. But the first thing you can do is to delegate assertively and your directs can probably do it in an intolerable fashion. Yes, what takes you 30 minutes will take them three hours, but it's still 30, three hours of their time and you get back the 30 minutes. And within a month or two, they'll be down to 30 minutes as well if they're doing it every day or every week or every month. Uh, yeah, every day, every week, every month. The problem with under delegation of things, the problem with pushing down more important work and we generally assume, just to be clear, folks, we assume that if you're doing something and your directs are not, all things being equal, it's more important than anything your directs are doing. If not, then it's certainly something you ought not to be doing and your directs probably ought to be so you can free up your time. The problem with the underdelegation, the epidemic of underdelegation is not directs. Everyone always raises their hand and say, yeah, I'm willing to help. It's us as the managers. We hold on to things that we could let go of because of we don't believe our directs can get to the, our level of conscious competence because in our unconscious competence in part because we've forgotten how long it took us to get there. And the fact that the first time we did it, we were at conscious incompetence, frankly, maybe just barely getting to conscious competence if we worked real hard at it. We guarantee you folks that there are stuff you're doing now that your directs could do. And if both you and your directs could do something, it's foolish for you to keep doing it, all things being equal. What is it you're doing that your directs could do? For the hundredth time, I'm going to say it again, your directs could chair your staff meetings. They could write the agenda for the meeting. You could send them a note, takes 30 seconds to write the, the note, and then you don't have to write down the agenda and send it out. It takes you five minutes, 30 seconds, five minutes. Good change. You could delegate almost all of your reporting to them. We have a cast about that. What's our new tagline, Mike? There's a cast for that. There's a cast right. for that, yeah. Yeah. You could get rid of all but the top four to five things you work on week to week. Except budget. You could budget. delegate the draft. What? What's that? Except budget. <laughs> no, dude, you could totally, do you could delegate the drafting of your budget. Now, look, you won't have it submitted. You won't have them submit it directly to your boss, but you can have them draft something for you to look at. Yeah, I and guess. And Why? Because that's how they learn when they actually have a budget. That's how they learn so that the first time they have a budget as a manager, they don't screw it up royally and then make you look bad that you were the one that motivated your boss to promote them only to find out, holy crap, why did you tell me to promote this guy? He can't do a budget. Didn't you delegate part of the budget thing to him before you convinced me to promote the guy? Right? 
Yeah, they, well, there you go. There, there is a perfect example of a manager not doing his or her job. You don't delegate the budget, right? You have a great direct working for you. You get yeah. her promoted, right? So now she's a director. Now she has budget, but she's never done it before, and she completely fails at it. And I'll tell you what, at that level, you screw up a budget, you're in trouble, dude. Now, how how did you trouble. take care of how did you take care of your direct if you didn't delegate some of the budget? Yeah, exactly. But the manager would say, well, Mike, apparently you and I disagree on the definition of taking care of. I see it as being a father figure and making sure that my family of, of team members who, who frankly, I think of as my children, you know, that I, my job is to protect them and care for them. And, um, okay. So there's a dark mark and there's the whiny mark. <laughs> yeah. It's not my job to care for them in the future. Cause once she doesn't work for me anymore, I don't, you know, that's somebody else's job. Oh, okay. Well, that's crap too, because you know, <laughs> as well as I do, that if you get somebody promoted and they're not successful at the next level, it reflects poorly on you as well. So no, you not only do you have to get somebody promoted, you have to make sure that they're going to be successful at that level. Otherwise, it reflects poorly on you. So no, that doesn't work for me either. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. You delegate part of your budget, the drafting your budget, making them think about it. It'll save you a couple of hours and they'll learn how to start thinking a budget. And you'll get a chance to say, this is right, this is wrong. You also probably say, how can you possibly even think this thing over here? I never would have thought of that. That's crazy. And those are valuable things to say to your directs when you're training them on things. And it's far better for it to come from you when they have cover from you, as we'll talk about later, as opposed to from their new boss who looks at them and says, don't you know how to have a budget? Right? Right. Look, you could delegate the creation of an operations plan. Okay, they're not going to deliver that whole plan to their to your boss. They're not going to brief it to the team without showing you first. But to learn some basics about an operations plan, you'll get to correct it to something you would have created anyway, to a level that you would have created anyway, and they'll have learned something, and you'll have saved some time again. You could delegate the creation of a draft of an upcoming presentation, right? No, you won't present their first draft but you'll save some time again and you'll get to see how they think about things when it comes to presenting and whether or not they know what you're working on, at least when it comes to stuff for your boss, maybe. Okay. You could delegate the creation of a job description for a new hire. Heck, if you think they're going to get promoted in the next year, you could, you could delegate the creation of the, the, the job description for their job. If their job doesn't have a job description, hell, you could delegate the creation of a job description to everybody on your team. And then just use the same job, one job, and then use everybody's raw data to cobble something together. The fact is, most job descriptions aren't going to be accurate in six months anyway. You could delegate the creation of a schedule for a potential new hire's interviewing process. Creating the schedule isn't the important part of interviewing somebody, after all. It's the decision-making. It's the evaluation and the decision-making that matter. But you don't have to go home at night and say, oh, my gosh, this new guy's coming in next week. i got to come up with a schedule. No. Turn to one of your folks and say, hey, come up with a schedule for this guy. And editing somebody else's work 90% of the time is easier than the creative process on your own all by yourself. Going from zero to one is always the hard thing, not going from one to two or two to three. About the only thing I can say is just don't delegate the two to three to four really big jobs you think you have. And for now, don't try to break them up into pieces unless they're somehow manageable the way I mentioned, you know, some of the some of the ones I mentioned earlier. Folks, you really don't need to wait for your boss to drop a big ball on you as part of a larger cascade. In fact, for all you know, in the juggling koan, for those of you who listen to the, the tens of thousands of you who listen to that cast, 
It's one of our favorites. We talk about it at every conference. You don't even know whether or not the big orange ball that comes down from your boss is part of a cascade or not. It may just be that your boss is trying to stress you out to cause you to make the right choices about what you should be working on, what he would recommend you would be working on rather than what you are working on. To your directs, they don't really need to know whether you're stressing them more because of an external stressor to you or whether you're the one starting that whole stress cascade. So folks, don't wait. Start stressing your folks now by delegating more. Drive out the work they're doing now that makes them busy, but doesn't contribute to their productivity. Mike, I think for the rest of my life, I will always see this cast as the anti-busyness cast, right? Yeah. Hopefully we've made it very, very clear. Busyness is not to be sought. Yeah, it's, it's not the bubonic play. Productivity we is. We know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Know. exactly. You sure exactly. that with us. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. okay. So let's, let's don't spend 20 minutes on it, but very quickly for those of our listeners who haven't heard the delegation model before, can you share that real quick? You know, I can't. Okay. You and quickly. <laughs> well, no, okay. but this is, yeah. you, is this you, de- Mr. CEO of manager tools? Is this you delegating that task to me right now? And I should try to do it as best I can. Is that what you're telling me? I'm willing to let you try. <laughs> okay. I can always edit yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. For those of you who don't know, I have never listened to one of our casts. And every once in a while, Mike says, oh, yeah, I edited that out. And I'm like, what? You edited that part out? I like that part. Yeah, folks, you may not know this, but for every 15 minutes that Mark speaks, there is like we record like two hours and I edit it to make yeah. it appear succinct <laughs> and smart. <laughs> You're going to regret that, dude. Somebody's going to listen to that and, and believe that to a conference and yeah. believe that it was actually. OK, yeah. now, let, me, let me let me set this record straight. Just. Just in case, folks, yeah. for a 40-minute cast, we talk for 40 minutes and 10 seconds. <laughs> there, yep. There's very little editing going on. Yeah. Okay. Please, go on, Mark. And not that, I'm comp- not, not that I'm competitive, but nine of the cutout seconds are Mike's. <laughs> not that I'm competitive at all. Really? Really? You're going to go there? You're really going there? Huh. No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Usually, it's just that you, you mess up on recording the intro or the outro, right? When I'm, when I'm on the phone with yeah, you. Yeah, no, no, I don't care. No, but you're right, but... Please go on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you have cut out some of my stories. Anyway, all right. A brief refresher on how to delegate. The first thing you do is you say you've got a desire for help, right? Directs respond well to being told that their boss needs help, provided you're a professional and, and a reasonably pleasant person. You say, Rob, I'd like your help on something. Okay. And then you tell that direct why you've chosen them. Maybe because they're the best at something or they need development in a certain area or they want to gain a skill or they have the most bandwidth or the most experience in something. So it might sound like, Rob, I'd love your help on something. You're really good with our biggest customer. You've got the best relationship with them of anybody. And then step three, and this is the really the big one, the smart one, in my opinion, in our model, you ask them to accept the delegation without describing the details. So it might sound like, would you please take responsibility for leading the develop budget development process for this particular client engagement we've got? You don't go through the details yet. You get the direct to accept first. 80% of the time they will say yes. And if they say yes to the large ask that you make, and by the way, it's an ask, you ask them to accept. You don't say, I'd like you to. You say, would you please? If they say yes, and they do 80% of the time, they're much better listeners after they've already verbally committed to accepting to their boss. And even if they say no, you can then after the fact go, okay, well, what are your concerns? When you find out their concerns, then you pre-close them by saying, so if I could address your concerns, you'd be okay with it? And then they say yes. And then when you deliver the details, you deliver them in such a way that they address the concerns. 
Okay. And when they say yes, they're going to be a really good listener, which is the really key part to step four, which is describing the tasks in detail, everything you want them to know about whatever it is they're going to be working on. And then you go over deadline, quality, and reporting needs. Uh, I often call this the DQR step, the logistics of the assignment. Frankly, some managers probably overdo the reporting stuff, having directs check in at every step when they first give away a task. Some managers have directs under report, but if I had to guess, the vast majority of managers have directs over report. It's probably hard to make a really clear distinction here, but if you're asking for them to take something over forever, getting more than weekly reports is probably too much. The rule of thumb that I use is if your boss turns some recurring task or significant responsibility that he or she was doing over to you, and you are now fully responsible for it in every way, and it was as if the organization knew it was now yours and not hers, how often would you expect to be asked to report on its status to your boss? Surely you wouldn't be asked to report on it any more often than other activities you engage in that are underneath your boss's purview. And the last thing you do is you ask if they have any skill or training needs. Hey, is there something you need that's not, you know, that maybe not, I'm not seeing or that's not available to you right now? Now, the big mistake that I've discovered when we, when we develop managers and executives in this area in terms of teaching this model is they assume the skill and training needs is a, is a chance to accept a reverse delegation. Folks, this is not the time to ask what you can do in general. Okay. Don't say, what can I do for you? Cause that's an invitation for reverse delegation for accepting the monkey back onto your back. Don't do it. Don't reinforce the thought that this is really your work. It's easier for you to do and that they can't do it without you starting them off. Don't do it. So if they say, well, could you make that call to that peer? You say, well, I could, but I'm not going to. That's why I'm giving this job to you. You can do it. I want you to do it. Or, okay, that'd be great. I'll be happy to do that. Would you please send me these three files? No, I'm not going to send you those three files. Uh, if you send me an email about it, I'll find the files for you and send them on to you. But, but no, I'm not leaving this meeting with a bunch of stuff I have to do. You're leaving this meeting with something more for you to do. That's just the standard way to delegate something. It, it's a persuasive process. It leverages most directs natural tendency to be willing to do more. And it's clear and concise. Good. Now, what do you do if people push back? They're too busy. What, what do you do then? Just fire them and get somebody in there. <laughs> that's what I do. I mean, it's, you know, no, you're talking about the routine. Yeah, no, 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 no. Actually, let's do this before we get there. Let's talk about the other part of getting work through the boss. And that's rather than delegating, but rather let's talk about assigning work because we put out the delegation cast first, right? I think a lot of people thought that all work from managers was by definition a delegation, and that's not true. Assigning work, folks, is different than delegating. Delegating is when you give up something that's your responsibility that tends to be a longer-term thing, or it's a recurring thing. You don't delegate work that would naturally be in the purview of one of your directs. You assign work that would naturally be theirs. So if something is your direct's job, whether it's short-term or long-term, recurring or non-recurring, you just assign that work. If it's normally your job, but it's short-term, again, you can still assign it to someone. It's only the parts of your job that are part of the standard that's your job that are longer-term or recurring that fall under the rubric of delegation. So, for example, a software development manager doesn't delegate the writing of some code to a developer because that is by definition the work of the developer and not the manager. So in other words, what I'm saying is you would assign that work to a developer that worked for you. Simply because some kind of work comes through the manager doesn't mean 
giving it to one of his or her directs is actually delegating it. That's just a simple assignment. Okay. And assigning work is, is, is not terribly hard. I'll, I'll walk through the four steps of it. It's pretty straightforward, but I want to be clear, assigning more work, it's a function of, of three possible choices. You could create more work for your team that is rightfully done at their level. In other words, you're the one creating it. You could be less willing to shield them from outside requests. In other words, you could pass something through that would become their work, or you could allow them to work on projects that they create and they believe add more value, right? I think a lot of people miss that, that part of the whole work and productivity and busyness thing is a function of what your directs are working on. And some of that is a function of what they've chosen to work on. I remember talking to a recent, this is a couple of years ago, but I've talked to somebody who's 23 or 24 said, my job is to figure out what my job is and to do what I believe my job is. You know, it was interesting. It sounded a little bit libertarian to me. (laughs) In a way, he was right. But to put it more precisely, I said, no, your job is to do what the company expects of you. And hopefully, you'll be able to figure out what it is the company expects of you, obviously, with some help from your boss. But you don't get to decide what it is you do unless deciding includes accepting that the job has productivity metrics and you have to meet those metrics. But before we do that, let's at least agree on assigning work, which is a big part of manager's jobs. And there's four steps. The first thing you do is you ask, would you please, would you please do X? Would you please be responsible for the coding of this module? Would you please be responsible for developing this marketing brochure? Would you please be responsible for implementing this production increase uh, and training everybody on its impacts over the course of the next six weeks? And I just, I just did the first two steps, actually, which is you ask, and then you state the task that you want the person to do. So in other words, would you please do X? And the task is X. Then you state the deadline, whatever deadline you want to apply. And then the one that everybody misses is that you include status reporting with the task. In other words, you don't just say, hey, this is now yours, and when it's done, let me know. But there are steps along the way that may require updating the boss. And if a task is done, but the organization doesn't know it's done, it's as if the task is not done at all. We've talked about this many, many casts previously over the last few years, but never assign a task without including the reporting of the status of that task with the task itself. So if you're going to have to write some code, would you please write this module of code for this particular internal customer? Here's the deadline. Here's the quality standard, which often is inherent, but may not be. And then say, and notify me when it's done. The deadline is such and such and notify me when it's done. The point of that is it can't be done until you know it's done. So that way, you're not wondering three days after the deadline, gee, why haven't I heard about it? And then you come to find out, oh, it's already done. They just didn't know part of their job was to notify you. Right, and and if it had been done and you'd known it had been done, you could have moved on to the next, you know, dependency, right? You right. could have, you could have exactly. moved the project You'd forward. You'd have saved three day, the three days of lack of knowledge. And Managerial Economics 101 not only suggests we should delegate, it also suggests the reporting of a task is better left with the person doing the task than the supervisor of the task.
Okay. But I want to go back to those, those, um, those three examples of you could either create work for a team, you could be less willing to shield them from, say, your boss's request for their work and time and skills, or you could allow them to work on things that they create. Obviously, you won't assign work to a direct who creates it for themselves, but you'll be involved in approving it if, in fact, they want to. Here's an important part of this, though. For all of these situations, folks, you're going to have to have a clear strategic understanding of the value of your team's work and its output so you can make the right decisions. And frankly, most managers aren't too good at this, but interestingly enough, (laughs) executives actually are. That ought to give you some sense of something you can develop in yourself, managers, if you you want to become an executive. You have to know when one of your team says, I want to do X, you have to be willing to evaluate the value for the organization of X and determine whether or not X is better than the Y and Z and ABC that that direct is particularly working on. So let's walk through these real quickly. Let's take that second one first. What that was, was being less willing to shield them from outside requests for, for work. This is one of the most misunderstood parts of management that exists today. We've been dancing all around it all day, all cast here. Too many managers believe that protecting their teams from new work requirements is the synchronon of, of managerial experience. I see that manager over there and he's really good and his team is totally insulated. And folks, that's just a wrong impression. Yeah, we agree. Those managers who have their teams well-oiled and clearly aligned and working towards well-defined goals say no more than other managers and they do get more done. But that doesn't mean saying no is the reason they get so much done and that the the reason that they get away with saying no. They get more done and they get to say no more and they get away with it because they have clear goals that they can articulate to others and which others agree with. They can prove that the work they're defending is the most productive their team could be investing in. Their purpose, their rationale is what allows them to say no, not just what most managers say, which is, I'm sorry, my guys are really busy. I don't know how we're going to get this stuff done. Folks, if you go through your life trying to get away with, my guys are really busy. I don't know how we're going to do this. You're going to be perceived by executives as somebody who doesn't get the core of this cast, which is busyness is a disease like the bubonic plague. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but look, too many of us think that defending our teams is a good thing. And again, we alluded to this earlier. Why not? We have ample evidence that our team is busy. Okay, the problem is we allow busyness to take the place of productivity. If you think through it a little bit further, you'll be a lot smarter. Okay, if you go back, what about the first choice I mentioned? I think uh, creating work for your team that is rightly done at their level. That's you saying, hey, I really think that we should do more of this. Okay. That's part of your job. I've looked at everything everybody's doing and I want us to do less of this and and more of this area over here. And let me just go back for just a minute to the whole point of the boss coming down and saying, Hey, I I want you to do more. The key is not reflexively saying no. We're not suggesting that you just become accepting. You got to know what your team produces. You got to be willing to make decisions about new requests that could add more value. Uh, And I want to get more into the manager tools mindset here. If your boss comes down and says, hey, what about doing something like this? The right way to handle that, folks, is a developing executive, as a manager who wants to grow uh, his or her responsibilities and be more valuable. The right thing to do is to say, okay, boss, let me look at it. Let me see what makes sense. You don't immediately say, yes, I got to please my boss. You don't immediately defend the status quo. I got to protect my team. 
What effective managers do is take time to consider the value and cost of what your boss is proposing relative to whatever existing efforts are going on, make a determination of that relative value, and then come back to him or her with a cogent case for what the right call is. You might get overruled though, right? Yeah, I mean, you might. I mean, um, but you'll get overruled less than you would have if you've reflectively, reflexively just say no. That's true. And frankly, you'll accomplish more as well. You can apply that same criteria to your own creation of work. You don't have to wait for your boss to drop a ball on your head. You can say, hey, let me look at what we're doing now. Let me compare what we're doing now to the ideas I've had recently and ask myself, is there an idea that I've had that I really can make the case is more valuable than three or four or five of these things that we're doing now? If that's the case, you end up having the conversation with yourself, comparing the, quote, busyness of your team to the potential, quote, productivity of your new idea. And if you believe your product, your idea is more productive than the activities of your team now, you go to them and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to assign this to you. Or, or maybe it's something you're already working on and you say, I'm going to delegate this to you. And we already walked through that. Now, for the, the direct who has an idea, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll tell you what, a lot of managers roll their eyes when the directs come and say, I want to do X or I want to do Y. But folks, I promise you, there is something worse than a direct coming to you and saying, hey, I, I want to do more here. The thing that's worse is the direct having no idea about what they're working on or how to work on it better. That's a dangerous situation. That's a bad hire right there. And look, we'll explore this more in future guidance, but when a direct suggests doing something, folks, here's the key to this. Encourage them to go ahead and do it. If a direct has more energy for stuff that that you and they agree might be valuable, let them do it. You know, first, it probably proves that they may not be as busy as they say they are, but who's not? what's not to like about that level of energy? You know, you could make the case, why is it they were super busy yesterday, but now that they have something interesting to chew on, they can find time for it. But here's the thing that effective managers know that so many of us don't know. To be clear, you can expect them to do it while continuing to get everything else done. Okay. If Mike comes to me and says, I got a great new idea. If I'm his boss, I'll say, okay, work on it. I don't, I don't want you to not work on it. Well, that means some other stuff is going to slide. I don't think so. If it's really that good, (laughs) if it's really that good an idea, essentially what I'm letting Mike do is creating a new ball in his box. And now he's got 21 balls on his own. Figure out how to shrink those other balls, Mike. Figure out how to do that stuff that used to take two hours to do. Figure out how to do it in 30 minutes. So you can get an hour and a half for that big new thing you're doing. Or do your normal work during the workday and then stay later. But frankly, I've stayed away from the whole work hours thing because there's nothing in this cast that suggests anybody needs to work longer hours. Everybody says they're busy. They're all working longer hours. I can't imagine tolerating somebody saying they're busy and then letting them go home at four o'clock in the afternoon. Although I'll never forget the plant that I was in years ago that all the managers said, oh God, we're swamped. And at 5.15, that parking lot was empty. Yeah. I always wondered about that. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll finish this one up next week. Have a great one. So long.